Smartcast. You are listening to a Mint production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello, hi, I'm Satya Sontanam from Mint's personal finance team. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money. In this episode, we are going to focus on the personal finance journey of Miss Vidya Bala, the co-founder of Prime Investor. To give a little background about what Prime Investor does. It is a SEBI registered research analyst platform which offers recommendations on diversified personal finance products including stocks, mutual funds, government securities, deposits, bonds and insurance. Vidya Bala along with her other colleagues launched the platform a little over 2 years ago. Bala is a chartered accountant by qualification. Prior to launching Prime Investor, She analyzed funds and offered researched portfolios at Funds India, an online investment platform for mutual funds. With this background aside, let's start the episode. Hi. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money, a personal finance podcast where we help you understand basic money concepts and share strategies for you to build your wealth. So let's get started on your money journey. Hello Vidya, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome to Why Not Mint Money. How are you? Hello Satya thanks thanks for having me in this program i'm fine uh, Vidya how does your regular day at work look like So i mean with most analysts right the day has to start with looking at the markets and uh, even before even while you have your coffee you start looking at the previous days uh, markets uh, in US and uh, across the globe So our day starts with typically looking at markets see how uh, how our stocks have performed you know the day's moves any uh, news on our stocks before noon we have a call with the team because some of our team members sit elsewhere not in the same city so we have a call and uh, to discuss uh, the day's moves and um, our performance as well as how the uh, shortlisted candidates that we always have in our list how they are performing and a little bit of obviously about the debt markets any news on the debt side because we are constantly looking for any credit events that happen and sometimes even equity events can offer some uh, kind of a clue to what's happening on the debt side of those companies so those are discussions that we usually have in the morning before we go on to doing our own work understand so day in and day out you look at markets and analyze stocks so what do you prefer for your personal investment portfolio you invest in stocks directly or choose the mutual fund naturally stocks all of us here have a flair for stocks at prime investor although you know uh, with time or lack of time uh, you realize mutual funds are a far better vehicle but when you have the advantage of seeing the markets every day naturally the preference is stocks so i started investing in stocks pretty early before i knew very little about the stock markets and i was in an entirely different line so that uh, kind of helped learn through mistakes early on so i didn't have to commit mistakes much later when i had the cushion to commit mistakes i could do it so stocks is the main thing mutual funds although i would say has over the recent years become a larger part of my portfolio than stocks surely because you invest regularly in it right so just the disciplined investment of sip or whatever gives you that uh, adequate savings that may otherwise not happen in stocks because in stocks you're constantly looking to time the market so you wait and you put lump sums whereas in sip there's a constant inflow that goes into your uh, mutual fund portfolio so i would say mutual funds account for a larger part of the portfolio now but the uh, stocks always remains the favorite maybe this is one takeaway uh, for the listeners as well that a person who is analyzing the stocks day in and day out is also investing in mutual funds to a large extent now because this seems to be a better option maybe this could be one of the definitely 
key takeaway for the investors vidya since you invest directly also uh, do you follow the buy and forget approach or check the valuations and fundamentals of the stocks in your portfolio uh, you know periodically and make necessary entries and exit from the stocks right see at prime investor and also philosophically personally most of us either me or my colleagues you know bhavna anybody or our analysts we all think long term but um, that doesn't imply that we buy and forget we don't really believe in the coffee can investing style at least in the indian market unless you are simply sitting with etfs in which case it's okay but with stocks we do believe uh, stocks have a life even if you pick the best of stocks you know hdfc yielded uh, may have been a wealth builder in many uh, investors portfolio but it has struggled to perform in the last few years right uh, every uh, stock has its maturity and beyond that they may be steady compounders but they may not be you know really pushing your portfolio so definitely watching your portfolio reviewing and taking a look very importantly at your original thesis and whether the thesis is valid and if it has changed whether it's for the good or it can impact your you know your assumption of what returns will transpire all of these are necessary for every single stock that you take and some stocks for example you simply play with the market play with the cycle that's all for example commodities you take steel you take sugar so that applies to some sectors cyclical sectors you should know when to book out understand uh, for your uh, personal investment portfolio the 2021 has been a tremendous year for the equity markets have you booked any profits uh, during that year in 2021 definitely very strangely uh, this was a year uh, maybe for the first time where i booked big profits from my mutual funds rather than stocks with stocks oh. it's a very hard part to take i did book some profits in stocks but with mutual funds because that's where much of my small cap allocation went i didn't want to go overboard with individual small cap stocks because the markets were looking far ahead of comfortable zones so the investments was mostly through small cap funds when it came to risky investments and i did book out a big chunk of profits and in hindsight i think that was a good decision so are you also waiting for the low is closing the market to reenter uh, yes i won't say i haven't deployed so if you look at the correction between october and now october and then you know in feb march we did have uh, some opportunities so kind of uh, uh, drip investing that i have been doing allocating small sums but yes uh, quite a bit still uh, lies in cash Vidya, what do you have to say to investors who wants to time the market, enter, re-enter, exit the markets, just like you are doing? Because now you are into the stock markets, capital markets. You do work on uh, stocks every day. Look at mutual funds, how they are performing. You have all the tools at your disposal to analyze these particular stocks or mutual funds. So, but what about an investor who is just entering the market now? Uh, do you also suggest the same philosophy for them? trust me even if you had sufficient information and you're doing this every day you may not be very successful in investing and that's a very humbling experience for me as well so if you have you know a hit rate if i might say of 50 to 60% of beating or meeting your expectations i think you're you're done just great uh, so with that for those who don't have the advantage of you know tracking the market or the time or the resource I do think you cannot still afford to be entirely off the market you need to spend some time knowing the market but a very simple and easy way especially when you have an asset allocated portfolio is to simply watch your portfolio grow and see how much it has gone out of uh, think from the original allocation for this you need not know whether the sensex has seeked out you need not know whether 32 times is a high valuation or a low valuation and so on you simply need to know 
if your asset allocation was 60-40 and it is now moved to a 65-35 or a 70-30, you do know that your equity as an asset class has now inflated. So you need to book out more. So you entered at a certain you know proportion and uh, when you see your equity grow, uh, essentially it means that you have participated in an inflating asset class. So you bring it back to the norm. So that's a simple rebalancing concept. The same can be applied to your entire portfolio. Instead of looking at it as just mutual funds, you can add your equity stocks also to it. And when you do the rebalancing, you always try to remove the dead ones first. Most people do this mistake of removing the outperformers first. That should be done only if you think there is no potential in it anymore. But remove the underperformers and then look at, you know, reducing the higher risk options like your small cap stocks or your small cap funds or your mid cap funds and so on. So that um, basically is a very simple recipe for people who cannot take a call on, you know, when to enter or when to exit. Entry, obviously, you know, with mutual funds, you have SIPs. So that's the best that one can do in terms of uh, trying to. But it's not very hard to put additional sums when you know markets have a steep fall. So you you do know in the last six months, if you had put some money, you know, that's going to help you average any time. So having some liquid cash and uh, deploying periodically in addition to your SIP is also a good strategy. Great point. Talking about asset allocation, can you share your asset allocation for your personal investment portfolio? So, although I would like to, you know, be predominantly on equity, very um, sadly, if I have to add my real estate, the overall allocation does come down. So, I have very small exposure to real estate that I made very early on. I don't think it was a good investment. I do not uh, want to say that experience is the same for everybody, but I think by and large in India, the rental yields are so low you know, at anywhere between 1.5 to 3%, that doesn't make much sense when you have other asset classes that can deliver very well. These are the times when we didn't have REITs or invits and all that. So when I had, I know, invested in real estate. So considering that, uh, I still, I think my equity is decent, although I would like it to be more. So my equity is close to two thirds of my portfolio at about 63%. And debt is at about, um, you know, uh, 17%. And my real estate would be about, debt is about 18%. Real estate would be about 17% and gold at 3%. Gold uh, merely in through financial form. I do not hold any physical gold in any form whatsoever. So that's the thing. Ideally, you know, I would have liked for my uh, risk appetite or my interest, I would have liked to hold 75% at least in equity. I think that will come only over time, given that, you know, real estate typically takes away a chunk of, you know, your allocation. You seem to have a great interest for the equity asset class. Uh, tell us what made you believe equity is the asset class for you to build your wealth. Is it because of the job you do every day or has it been ingrained in you even before you start working by your family members? No, so um, not at all. So I come from a family which does not look beyond the deposits and post office. Um, but um, very, very strangely, so I would like to share this incident on how I knew equity was a wonderful asset class. My mom, so my father's uncle, when they married, gifted them uh, a stock for their wedding. I, th- I think that was a great you know, decision. And very strangely, it was given in the name of my mom, not even uh, my dad, who was related wow. to this uncle. So this stock, I think my, my father is no more, but my mom continues to hold it. So, you know, it has been like several decades now of holding the stock. My father has always shown us. So from very early on, we knew what saving and investing was, although it was very conservative. But he always with pride would say how this stock has been performing and how 
it was a good dividend yielding stock dividend paying stock also so that was the trigger in terms of knowing how equity can grow from the returns that your deposit or your post office savings gave although post office in those days gave up to 12% so it was not small either but stocks delivered more and there was more asymmetry in information you know a few decades ago so stock returns can be abnormally high so that was i would say uh, the trigger i think uh, every listener wants to know what that stock is can you name what that stock is i wouldn't mind uh, it's very strange it's a very conservative stock it's amurtanjan oh it's a simple okay. humble south indian based company which you use for your headache <laughs> <laughs> you know it probably nice. solved many headaches uh, for my parents because uh, coming from very middle class and uh, not any pension income etc uh, definitely you know kind of gave them the comfort in their later years great great good to know that uh, so when it comes to real estate uh, exposure vidya uh, you have 15% allocation to real estate so in what form do you have exposure to this as a class no this is this is a residential property uh, in the outskirts of the city that i have let out this was purchased at a time when interest rates were very low and there was this interest subvention scheme that was given you know we got exceedingly good uh, interest rates and uh, we could also pre-close it in less than 10 years so it is emi free so it's not a burden in that sense but uh, the trouble of having to maintain a house and finding uh, the right person to you know let out and also the fact that you know the rentals really i mean even if you get a good builder you get a good rate the rental yields just don't stack up right in india i mean compared with countries like singapore or uk or hong kong or elsewhere in asia india has very low rental yields uh, in the residential space okay if i may ask what is still making you hold that uh, asset in your portfolio the thing is i so i have already so because i believe in some goal planning i have uh, kind of kept it for probably post retirement so i am a very strong proponent of uh, moving to retirement homes and not having your own home and trying to solve the problems in <laughs> the building cracks etc so i my idea is to kind of allocate that besides the retirement corpus that i will have to move to a retirement home so i'll probably you know hold it till then and it's in good shape touch wood so that's brilliant so what what's your uh, view on the other asset classes like debt and gold Yeah, debt. I think I'm. I'm. Uh, I mean, increasing in the last decade, I have realized the importance of debt. Post 2008, if I may say, it really drove home the importance to asset allocate, especially when I saw my portfolio deep down in the red after uh, 2008 uh, crisis. I think um, in India we are quite uh, fortunate. I mean, we can say we are unfortunate that we are in a low interest scenario and there aren't much options to invest in. But we are fortunate that we are at the very cusp of a you know a growing story in the debt market uh, we are not a mature market to that extent you still have many options we uh, i do think in the next decade whether it is the bond market or the uh, debt etf space i think there'll be lot of uh, room for innovation yeah sure, sure sure and uh, gold as a safe haven asset that's all Burn. gold is not a safe haven but gold is definitely something that you can use as a uh, asset class if gold was used as an asset class a decade ago to reduce the volatility in your portfolio i don't think there is a case anymore in fact for any portfolio of uh, time frame less than 2 to 3 years uh, we don't even advocate gold because uh, you know it can uh, you know deliver losses too that's what we have seen in the past uh, decade now So gold is a wallet has become volatile asset class simply because there's more ETF money globally going into gold than before. 
but gold definitely you know in the event of a crisis or no downturn gold definitely you know on most occasions i wouldn't say 10 out of 10 but on 8 out of 10 occasions perhaps gold has a health hedge portfolio so to that extent definitely as a diversifier there is a case to uh, be invested in sure sure vidya you started your career as a job holder and now you're an entrepreneur so how did your personal finance uh, strategies changed with the move of becoming an entrepreneur i would only think that your entrepreneur uh, is a very demanding and therefore your risk taking ability doesn't go because you do take risks in your own business and therefore nothing else seems more riskier anymore so your risk taking ability doesn't go but definitely the time that you can spend on your own portfolio or planning for your portfolio does come down much as you would like to but you're doing more uh, spending more time on the company than uh, your own portfolio so a uh, going passive has been something that i have consciously seen in my own portfolio uh, whether it's with mutual funds it's also to partly do with the market the way markets have been it's very hard to predict so it's easier when you go with more passive funds in your portfolio uh, with stocks maybe there there is a little less agility than there was before but um, i wouldn't say much about stocks but definitely in mutual funds rather than trying to you know go very active and up so there is a limited there you know where you can't anymore trust that mutual fund houses or fund managers will deliver forever right so they they all appear to have uh, their own cycles in terms of performance that's something that i have in the past few years for lack of time and also just to you know kind of uh, be more peaceful and more become uh, more passive understood so going back to your portfolio so your portfolio looks very diversified so could you tell us uh, how each of your asset classes have performed during the last one year with markets in a correction phase now yeah so none of them really delivered so if you take the one year returns because we have seen a steep correction since october and the one year returns have significantly fallen so uh, if you take the last one year roughly my equity would have delivered about uh, 5% just about the market uh, it's not really beating the market debt about 4.5% you know that too because uh, i had some maybe i was just lucky to have uh, exposure to some good well timed bonds and therefore you know the returns were decent uh, gold about uh, 3 and 1/2% uh, real estate i really don't keep track of uh, the market prices so i won't be sure. able to say that but yeah so they were uh, dwindled to single digits uh, in the past uh, maybe 8 9 months correction so how often do you uh, review your asset allocation asset allocation annually not very actively i very consciously allow my equity to grow because like i said uh, my uh, real estate uh, pulls down the overall equity allocation that i have so i don't uh, honestly rejig equity unless uh, there are poor performers it's because i'm trying to reach a higher equity level simply for that uh, purpose uh, but definitely uh, you know in debt i have tried to even on earlier occasions reduce duration when you know there is a risk of rate hike and all that and go uh, lower duration i have done that very consciously and uh, and uh, with an equity moving between asset uh, i mean between categories you know from small cap to more larger cap moving from quality to bit of value all of those um, i try to do that uh, periodically i can't assign a periodicity to it because it's as and when you know things develop in the market and you think what needs to be done but the rebalancing part is typically just that Sure. During our investment journey as well, we go through hits and misses. So, can you share one strategy that worked for your portfolio in the last one year and one that did not? So, the one that worked, like I said, was booking profits. 
that was an insight a good call it was a good chunk and uh, although i ended paying a lot of taxes on it but i think it was still a mistake of postponing this booking profit decisions because there's tax to be paid uh, i would uh, you know dissuade uh, people from you know looking at it in that angle i think taking out what you have um, will definitely be net gains compared with the tax outflow that you have uh, the second uh, thing is miss um, i mean there have been multiple misses in terms of calls that one hasn't taken or calls that went wrong but uh, the biggest um, thing was um, although i have mostly to some of the newer age companies that came up with ipos i did give myself to some temptation in a few of them and uh, they didn't really pay off too well or they didn't do well at all i mean i can give an example of zomato <laughs> so um, you know that was a, a bad call I, none of them were ipo calls these were calls i thought i entered post ipo when the prices were reasonable but it looks like ipos now don't have a, a bottom at all if you see stocks like lic stocks are simply going south without any kind of support so because lic is not the one i'm talking about but uh, you know the one i gave example is omato So the learning there is, um, you know, in these new businesses, unless your models, in fact, we try to do models for almost all of the IPOs, whether it's Zomato or Nike um, or uh, Policy Bazaar, quite a few of those, all the fancy, your Paytm, we did models for all of those, but there is a need to constantly revisit the model that you're looking at, also because those businesses themselves change pretty fast what was delivering True. for paytm i mean what was what you thought would deliver for paytm may fail very quickly in 6 months and they may have a new business right so you need to re uh, work on your entire cash flow and that may give you very different price points and you realize that you entered at a lousy uh, because this happens when you don't have profits when you have profits you have the traditional valuations right when you don't have profits uh, there are other metrics that you start looking at um, you can go terribly wrong brilliantly put it yeah brilliantly put so now with investments aside can you tell us uh, about your emergency coppers and uh, you know the insurances that you have right so my emergency coppers is mostly savings account and uh, liquid funds you know so liquid uh, even for my own company you know with the extra money we don't want to all over to lie in the current account liquid funds and the same holds good for my personal portfolio um with insurance um really after uh, my home loan was done i didn't find any need to have any insurance on my life because i think my car, i've always felt my corpus was sufficient to take care of uh, you know the absence of my income if anything happened to me i stopped my uh, term insurance after my loan was done i was just ensuring that it was there uh, because i had a loan so i stopped the premium because i could invest it elsewhere so the only one that i've left with is my medical uh, you know policy i did make the traditional mistakes that people make when you just take the job of uh, go- going into two lic policies that i have no idea right, what right. they were about <laughs> but they are all i just stopped them long ago i think they were all mostly money back plans very poor returning ones and i stopped them once i knew you know they weren't taking me there so the medical policy is a floater and uh, you know i just ensured that we have uh, sufficient uh, cover there and this is outside of uh, any work uh, medical policy so this is a private policy that we have so that's about the only you know cover that we take i more believe that uh, people are better off building their own medical funds sometimes because 
you know uh, the number of exclusions that many of these medical policies have um, so you never know uh, you know if you suddenly realize that something is not covered much later on sure. so i believe that um, having sufficient liquidity i think that's your debt portion should take care of it one other reason why you should have sufficient debt allocation you could always you can always count on that to you know kind of cover your uh, emergency needs brilliant yeah coming to the last segment of the podcast a little less serious but also fun questions uh, vidya what does wealth mean to you so wealth basically gives a sense of security right so um, a sense that you can lead a quality lifestyle and a sense of security uh but to me it also means that you do have something to give uh, beyond what you need so that's that's a great comfort nice so how do you involve your family in financial decisions uh, at home right so my husband also you know was a stock investor he was never a mutual fund investor i had to force him into mutual funds uh, because i thought his calls were going to off radar and stocks but um, yeah so we quite discuss with each other and um, we kind of try and uh, you know complement uh, each other's uh, portfolio i don't want to be buying the same stocks that uh, you know he does etc so so we are quite involved but maintain two different portfolios separately separate our wealth everything everything that you know the even our bank accounts etc i, sh- I should share this uh, for the sake of many women i think this is very important that you maintain how much soever you may have a cordial relationship at home it's very important to separate your investments and wealth obviously have them as nominee or whatever but to make sure that you know they know but it's important to keep you know your wealth separate brilliant point yeah uh, first thing that comes to your mind about personal finance so obviously you know um, given that um, you know equity has been ingrained in me um, i would think uh, equity is the first thing that comes as an asset class but more importantly spending less you know that's the first thing um, my father taught us so the first step to saving is spending less right so uh, spending less does not mean uh, you have to be a you know complete stupid but you need to know uh, to take a call on what you need at times and what you don't need and that money saved can really you know uh, help you at other times so savings has been a very big thing in, ingrained in our head from since we were young so i would say spend less and save is the first uh, you know, mantra Sure. So yeah, for, were you able to go on a holiday in the past year? And uh, when do you Not plan to take all. a vacation? <laughs> <laughs> so too many of us at home had COVID to you know um, every few months. So yeah. there was no way. No, it's okay. So there's no way. Um, yes, my uh, plan has been to probably go somewhere in the Himalayas. I was thinking of Valley of Flowers. Let's see if that happens. I wish that happens too. Yeah, lifestyle changes during the past year that will become permanent with you. Yeah so um, you know so uh, thanks to covid uh, you know uh, breathing med- and you know pranayama has become a very uh, staple part of uh, my uh, routine and that has really helped not just uh, physically but also you know when you're an entrepreneur deal with all the stress etc so um, i hope that will continue and i'm glad uh, covid helped uh, make a start with that sure do you read books and uh, any suggestions for our listeners books i do read quite a few books but uh, the last i read uh, i would suggest a book called the last girl right the last girl by uh, nadia nadia was uh, one of the uh, nobel prize winners this sure. was after uh, malela this was the you know year after malela i think it's a work, uh, book uh, worthy of reading uh, for most of us just so that we kind of uh, 
understand how blessed we are brilliant brilliant thank you so much vidya uh, it's been a wonderful discussion i really enjoyed it i hope the listeners too thank you so much for joining today thanks satya thank you that's all for now in this episode listeners if you have any queries or suggestions you can reach out to me on twitter my handle is at satya sontanam s a t y a s o n t a n a m or you can also write to us at mintmoney at livemint.com bye bye this was a mint production brought to you by hd smartcast hd smartcast